What is your bullet freaking dodge story? I had trouble breathing and had been wheezing for a few months. Figured it was just bronchitis that I get all the time and got some antibiotics. Figured what the hell, I guess I should ask a doctor. You know, the people trained in figuring this stuff out. Found a tumor the size of a pineapple wrapped around my heart and lungs. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Definitely should have gone earlier, but so glad I actually decided to go. Edit. I'm alive, everyone. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> for those commenting about the size of the tumor, it was a little over 5 by 3 inches and went from my trachea to my diaphragm. Double edit. Two and a half years cancer-free. Actually, as of yesterday. Didn't realize until today. <laughs> Weird coincidence. At the time, it was not very good. I got to watch my pericardial drain surgery that night because they were afraid the anesthesia would make my trachea collapse. So I got to watch a surgery on myself. Awake. Had to be at a 45-degree angle or the weight of the tumor pressed on my lungs, and under nothing except local anest for the catheter site. I like to think it's something not many people can say they've done. Advancing the catheter felt like slowly having the wind knocked out of you, but without the impact. I could actually feel almost exactly where it was as it went, probably one of the most unique feelings I've ever felt. I could also feel the pop when they pierced my pericardium, and I could feel a very slight pressure relief as they drained the fluid initially. First of all, I could not imagine being awake for my own surgery, but I guess a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. And second, I don't know why the bit where it's like, pop. I, I, I always just think about the bit from Superman vs. the Elite. You can almost hear the pop. Lived outside St. Louis in my early childhood, woke up screaming in the worst pain of my life, and then I felt my face get sprinkled with something. I actually got shot in the hip, and when I sat up, a bullet went through my window right where my head was just at, and what sprinkled me in the face was tiny pieces of glass. So I dodged a literal bullet by taking a bullet. Edit. Really expected this to get lost in the sauce, but here are some details someone else asked about. So my bed was right next to my bedroom window, parallel to the wall. The end of the bed where my head was at was right next to the window. The bullet entered the wall and struck me in my left hip, so I guess I was sleeping on my stomach. The windows were real weird now that I think about it. It was actually two single pane pieces of glass separated by six inches. And since both of them had a hole in them, you could stick a rod in and see that the bullet traveled right where my head had just been on my pillow. Edit. Another side story connected to this now that I think about those windows. One time I came home from school, I noticed the inner window shattered and there was blood all over the place. Turned out it was my dog that tried to launch herself through the window. We were pretty certain that someone was at my window scoping it out. She was super defensive of all of us. I'm pretty sure this actually occurred after the shooting. Yeah, I'll admit, living in England my whole life, I don't think I could ever feel really, truly comfortable unless I am within a brick house. Not me, but I had a hand in it. Knew this guy in high school peripherally. He was in the cool crowd of rocker-type guys, and I was a nerd. New girl arrived at our school from another town. She and I became friends, and a few months later, she started dating him. At first, she seemed cool, and we would talk about everything. At one point, however, she started talking about how she's been hooking up with her ex-boyfriend behind cool guys back. Just before the end of the school year, she tells me she's pregnant and that she knows it belongs to her ex-boyfriend. She's laughing and really proud of herself 
yourself because cool guy is going to do the right thing. Withdraw his college application, go work at the local gas station to support her and the baby. Her ex, the father of the baby, is kind of a loser, so she thinks it's the best thing even that she can screw him while making cool guy support her. I didn't really know this guy that well, but I got his phone number from an acquaintance of mine who knew it. Cool guy knew I was friends with this girl, but was still pretty surprised to hear from me. I told him all about her ploy and said, get a paternity test. It isn't yours. This guy was incredibly stoic, but after a sizable pause, he just broke down crying for a few minutes. He then thanked me, they broke up, and cool guy went to college and made something of himself. Just a good old story about bros looking out for bros. Damn girl, how could you even try and do that to cool guy? He's cool guy. Well, in hour seven, I got lost in spam without my thunder. I had been lost for about five hours, really late at night, and had been going down some dark alleyways and car parks. I started asking random strangers if they spoke English, but there were only middle-aged men walking around alone. One guy didn't speak English, but he gave me a cuddle and took me back to his house around the corner. At this point, I'm crying my eyes out and just appreciated the help and kindness. When I got to his house, it turned out that he had a family, and the son was learning English in school. He got out his school workbook and asked me my name, and then they took me to the police station. My parents picked me up about ten minutes later as they were driving around in a police car. That man could have been anyone, and I could have been kidnapped and never seen again. Not your ordinary bullet dodge. Honestly, that is such a tough call. You're seven years old in a foreign country, and you are dead lost. Oh, God. I mean, I guess, yeah, eventually you'd have to just go sod it. I'm going to rely on the kindness of strangers, but straight up, I thought that story was going to get a lot worse before it got better. I had my police car pulled over off the side of this rural road with the emergency lights on. I had stopped because there was a man splayed out in the middle of the asphalt. Turns out he was super drunk and decided to take a nap during his walk home. I had just helped him to his feet and placed him in the back of the car to drive him home when I hear an engine revving hard. I closed the car door and straightened up, just in time to have my car smashed out from in front of me by a pickup truck. I felt the truck's side mirror clip my body armor. The driver was drunk and had decided to go looking for his drunk friend. That friend was the guy I just picked up. The guy in the back seat survived the impact because those old Crown Victorias had massive trunks. The driver went to the hospital and in the coming months he pled guilty for impaired driving. I remember the collision analysis showed the guy hit my car at 145 kilometers an hour. It was a wild night and I still have major hang-ups when I have to stop my police car on roadways. I have a good amount of respect for police. I don't think every cop is uh, on the up and up, but uh, if you've ever seen any of those like body cam footage things where, where stuff just hits the fan, my God, police, especially police in America, go through some wild stuff. New teachers started at my high school at the start of the year. Integrated fine. Students were assigned a pair of teachers to pay special attention to their academic needs. He was one of mine. Because of this, he knew I had a tense relationship with my parents. Because of the occasional sensitive material we covered in his English class, which I also took, he knew I had a telling sensitivity to sexual violence. As a teacher, he knew I was a troubled kid with a shaky support network. He gave me off-base but evidently well-intentioned advice about managing my controlling parents, worked with me and my other overseeing teacher to try and make school less nightmarish for me, and overall seemed like a warm, engaging guy. He gave some people the willies, but I felt fine around him. Then, middle of the week, a few months into the year, he doesn't show up. We're told he's not employed here anymore. No official details. 
As you may be guessed, turned out he had an alleged history of sexually abusing students at past jobs. I don't know how it had been handled that they were able to find this out without him having tripped any of the flags I assume exist in the screening for potential teachers, but I guess better late than never. I don't think the school ever got, like, prosecuted for screwing up or whatever, so I guess it was an understandable miss. But yeah, that would have been pretty freaking awful. I got lucky. Me and any other kids, he might have been charming. For the sake of keeping it fresh on the first take, I was going in with like a wizard voice and I kind of went, I don't think I want to use the wizard voice on this anymore. It got a little dark. Dated this guy briefly in college. He got into a horse riding accident early on in the relationship. Horse fell on him, broke his ankle, pelvis, and hip. Apparently had a prior addiction to pain pills I was completely oblivious to. He quickly relapsed and turned into a crazy pill-popping psycho. Tried sticking out and helping him. I did my best and I couldn't handle it. When I told him I was done with the relationship, he proceeded to call me the worst names in the world, begged me to forgive him, and then tried asking me to come hang out after he had called me the biggest harlot in town. W.T.F. He then started doing harder stuff and has been involved in a hit-and-run accident. The guy he hit died, X moved the body, fled the scene, dumped his truck in a car park that had surveillance cameras in it. He did get caught for it. Talk about a bullet dodged. I've had some pretty crappy relationships, apparently. I think this is quite exemplary of the downward spiral that drugs can take you in. I mean, this dude was apparently riding horses one day and then he's doing like hitting runs and dumping bodies and stuff. Seriously, kids, stay away from hardcore drugs. God. I met him on one of those sites that isn't just a dating site, but is a dating site to find someone who shares your particular interests. And we seemed compatible enough to meet. I much prefer talking face-to-face, so once I see someone might be interesting, I generally set up a face-to-face date right away. We decided to meet halfway, and we'd figure out where to eat once we were there. So we met in the parking lot, and I got in his car, and he drove us around until we found a restaurant we both liked. We sat down, and immediately he started chatting. He was fairly charming about it, but it got really creepy really quick, because he seemed to move the conversation onto every person I interacted with, and once he established how close I was to them, how often I saw them, texted them, talked to them, it's like he would look satisfied for a moment and then move on to the next. It's hard to really explain, but I would tell a story about me and a friend, and he would ignore every part of the story and just go straight to questioning me about my friend. The only thing he seemed interested about them was how often I interacted with them. Like, for example, stuff like this. Him. Are you guys close? Me. Fairly. Him. How often do you hang out? Me. A few times a week. He nods and brings the conversation to co-workers, asking me what my boss was like. Was I always on time? And he just did that over and over. I mention my parents and he wants to know if I'm a good girl who goes to see them every weekend, if I talk to my mom or dad on the phone every night. I mean, he would bring it in with stories and from a teasing tone, but he did it over and over with every person I mentioned interacting with. It got creepy and I was freaking out in the back of my head and it was getting really hard not to get up and just leave. Awkwardness scares me more than getting kidnapped though and having to call someone to give me a ride because I thought the guy was interviewing me to be his next victim just sounded nuts in an already intense situation for me. I just started lying my butt off. So I mentioned brothers. He of course asked how many. I said five and started going into vivid detail about how overprotective they are. How they check in on me constantly. How one is a cop. The other is a private investigator etc. I also mentioned how my friends make me do a safety call. Either I was paranoid or it worked because he did take me back to my car and I got to drive away and never contact that guy again. I figure if the guy was casing my life out, those would be red flags for him. 
I'm not gonna lie, I would probably have the exact same thought process as this person. It takes even less than that for me to stop and consider whether or not my date or someone in my general vicinity is plotting my downfall at any time. Back in my raving days in the early 2000s before it got trendy, I got deep into e-use and subsequently became a small-time dealer. Small time over the course of a few months rapidly became pretty big. One night after re-upping, buying more Scooby snacks to sell, I went over to my buddy's house to play Counter-Strike until the early hours of the morning. On my way home, I got pulled over. I had 2,500 Green Triangle Scooby snacks in my trunk. I pulled out my license and registration, laid it out on my lap before the cop came to my window and proceeded to be as polite as possible. The cop asked me why my eyes were red and asked if I smoked the ganja. I said absolutely not, I never liked the ganja. Weird, I know. And I told him we were playing Counter-Strike for an 8 hour plus session and that's probably why. He ran my license, which was clean, came back to my car and said, Okay, drive safely and let me go. I left that scene bricking it. Had he looked in my trunk, I would have been arrested and looking at a distribution felony in at least 12 to 25 years. Not to mention it would have destroyed my life. I stopped dealing and raving after that. Today, I have a lovely wife, my own home, good health, thriving business, healthy toddler, and another one on the way. Talk about bullet dodge. My life and the life of those I love would have been drastically different if it played out the other way. It should have. I am the lucky one. I lose sleep often thinking about that. Edit. Wow, thanks for all the encouraging words and upvotes. For those of you who are critical of my choice to slang E, you need to realize that my customers were all adults with free will. Some prominent doctors, lawyers, teachers, etc. The choices they, we, all make in life and the consequences of those choices fall on us, period. I didn't make the drugs or import them. I didn't force anyone. I've actually cut people off many times. And today's society is frankly too quick to blame everyone else but the person, ourselves. Stop that. For those saying I got a lucky pass and need to pay it forward, I totally agree. My life changed from that day on. Now, I don't have that much respect for drug dealers by any means, but I am happy that this person is keeping their nose clean now and living a decent life. I really agree with the sentiment about personal responsibility. That is an issue that I think a lot of people really don't understand anymore. Uh, you just got to think about your actions, how it will impact you, how it might follow you in the future before you do something. Go watch the Back to the Future trilogy. That's basically the core of that entire thing, how your actions, how your decisions can have a terrible outcome in the future. Well, just recently, I had a job offer, which never felt right in my gut. After the initial excitement of actually getting an offer wore off, I was feeling kind of meh towards the position, but figured I could do it for a year or two since it would potentially allow for a better quality of life. However, when reading the contract, so many warning bells went off in my head. My husband works in employment and labor law, so I had him review the contract. The first words out of his mouth last night were, don't sign that contract as it is. Some highlights include, keep in mind I work in K-12 education, not some extremely secretive cutthroat industry, a one-year no-compete clause for any tangentially related position in the entire county, which, keep in mind, has the largest school district. 60 days written notice if I were to leave, not crazy at first, but good luck getting a new job over the summer, which is when most schools post positions. If I decided not to return after signing a contract, 
contract, I'd have to reimburse all insurance benefits starting from July 1st, 2017. Not sure if these are standard in other industries, but I've never seen anything like this as a teacher. Basically, it would make it close to impossible to leave the job, and I could potentially be screwed so many ways if I did. If this was what was in the contract, what could the work environment be like? Just sent off my thanks but no thanks email to the director with the school year quickly approaching. Looks like I'll be back at my current employer. Read your contracts, kids. I know I don't. (laughs) No, no, I pay other people to read them for me. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The city was doing road construction in front of our place about three years ago. It was annoying, noisy, and covered everything with fine dust. During this time frame, my son ended up catching some sort of bug, or so we thought, that seemed a lot worse at night. Three nights in a row, he ended up jumping out of bed after throwing up all over the place and having diarrhea. It was awful. We would spend hours just rubbing his back and cleaning him up. I would then put him to bed in the spare bedroom and he would pass out completely exhausted. After the third night, I went on a cleaning spree and was basically scouring the hell out of everything to get the sick air out of the house. When I discovered that damn dust from the road construction was coating everything with this grimy blackish residue. That was incredibly hard to remove or what I thought was road dust. I was irate enough that I took a pic and posted it on Facebook and was whinging about the construction and asking if anyone else was having the same issue. A couple hours later, I get a message from a friend that asked if we had an oil furnace. I thought it was odd, but just said that, yes, we do, and asked why she asked. She then proceeded to tell me that all her ceiling fans and vents, etc., looked exactly like my pic did when her furnace filter got clogged and wasn't burning off the oil properly, which in turn filled her house with carbon monoxide. I totally went into preservation mode and packed everyone into the truck and drove around the corner to the fire station. Firemen came in their trucks with their carbon monoxide detectors and sure as hell the basement was highly toxic and was filling the house. My son's room is directly above the furnace room and when the heat was kicking in at night he was getting poisoned. We are all lucky to be alive, especially my boy. Our landlord installed carbon monoxide detectors two days later after the house aired out and the furnace guy did his repairs. Scary stuff, kids. So I actually do laboring. I've never done road work before, but God, I can only imagine how bad the road dust is for you. But I did a lot of uh, soft strip demolition work, really. And uh, when I was working like 10 hour shifts a day, I would do like 50 hour weeks or something like that. Just moving stuff around uh, for these guys. Loads of people would not wear their mask when it's like we've just been breaking down walls and there's loads of construction dust everywhere. And obviously, as a voice actor, I want to protect my voice and everything. But I would just know all these guys that would take like 
like, I don't know, 12 smoke breaks a day or something, probably more, and still just be breathing in this dust because they didn't want to wear a mask. And I'm like, dude, you are ridiculous. Your lungs are going to be messed up in the future. Whew, I'm so glad that the story didn't end in tragedy, but you know, that's why it's a bullet dodge story. I told this to my dental hygienist recently and she thought it was funny, so here you go. My friend owned this camp in the mountains. When it wasn't in season, he brought a bunch of friends up to hang out. So it's very late at night and he goes to get some people at the front entrance and leaves me and another friend alone. We decide to do the zip line over this pond. As my friend is explaining to me, you're going to feel a yank after you jump off. I just tell him, go and I'll see what you're talking about. He goes and looks awesome. Now keep in mind, it's pitch black outside, so I ready myself and jump. I feel the little hitch he was talking about, but something isn't right. As I conclude that something indeed isn't right, it feels like I get hit with a pickup truck in the back. I was falling about 25 feet without even knowing and landed perfectly on my back in about one and a half feet of water. The rope snapped. Any other rotation would have left me severely injured or dead. My friend thought I died, but I got up and met him around the corner. My back looked like I had been shot point blank with about 50 paintballs. Other than that, I was fine. Well, that is some divine luck. Like, they didn't even realize they were falling. It was that dark. God damn, they are one lucky SOB. I was in Windhoek, Namibia doing the post-college wanderer thing. I was hitting the bars when I randomly bumped into an Australian guy I'd met a few weeks earlier in Harare, Zimbabwe. Harare is an epic crapberg, so there's nothing to do but get drunk and wait for your flight slash bus out while you regret your decision to visit Harare. This Australian dude was my companion on the drinking, waiting, and regretting part, but we were going to different cities and parted ways when we left. So we randomly meet again in Windhoek and quickly decide that we need to get smashing drunk, just like three-week-old times. Namibia is a great place to get drunk in mostly safe streets, the animus and energy of African nightlife, and relic German colonial predilection for extraordinary beer. As we're at the bar getting blasted out of our minds on 35 varieties of Namibian lagers, this gal comes up and starts flirting with me. She's smoking hot, great conversation for a couple hours, and she ends up asking if I want to come back to her place. I hadn't gotten laid in months and was 22 years old, feeling frisky as hell but i said no something just didn't seem right i tell my buddy that i'm going to call it a night and go back to my hostel he asks if i minded if he made a go at the girl i tell him sure but something seems weird about her i go back and pass out i woke up with a screaming hangover the next day and spent the entire day in bed I spend a couple more days in Windhoek, 10 out of 10 town by the way, highly recommend, but don't come across him again. I didn't expect to, so no big deal. I buy a ride west across the desert to Swakopmund and spend a few days hanging out there, and I run into my friend looking like a wreck. Turns out the chick took him back to her place, got him blackout drunk, took literally everything he owned except for the clothes he was wearing, and ditched him three miles outside the city in the desert. He tried to hitchhike his way back to the hostel but didn't know where he was and ended up on the back of a pickup truck going the wrong direction, depositing him in Swakopmund. Really, really, really glad I let my brain overrule my one-eyed monster in that situation. It doesn't happen often, but I'm glad when it does. Dodged a bullet. 
Now, I won't go into detail, but as a gentleman who has taken some pretty big risks in some cases, uh, this Australian dude is just on another level. He's either more daring or more naive than I am, because I would never go with someone that I didn't really trust in a foreign country that I didn't speak the language in to a location that I'm unaware of or anything like that. Hell, I'm surprised that they would like just go wandering like that and then just get absolutely trashed, because, man, anyone could take advantage of you, really.